Hello and welcome to another episode of The Philosophy Guy. Brendan Weber here, your host. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of a different format again. This is something else I'm trying. So the main point of The Philosophy Guy podcast, if you've been listening, is using ideas that are presented in pop culture and, and basically applying it back to philosophical concepts and also applying to applying it to our own lives in a way. So anyway, this is meant to kind of help not only learn important philosophical ideas all around us, but help kind of internalize them and apply them to our lives. So bringing ideas basically down from the ivory tower, I guess you could say. And this is why with this episode, I thought I'd try applying this this podcast concept to an area of pop culture that isn't necessarily... It's not really entertainment, but instead it's this idea or school of thought that has seen a kind of cultural movement once again. So basically it's it's this philosophical ideas that are being used in pop culture and that people have actually become more aware of these philosophical ideas. So the unlikely and in some ways surprising reboot of stoicism in people's kind of 21st century way of life. So I thought it would be fun to kind of analyze and observe this cultural movement that we've been seeing in the last five years or so, and and then kind of figure out what it means, you know, and, and why, why has it been on the rise and kind of analyze that and observe that. I, and I also would like to provide kind of some observations of my own regarding it. Like with all these episodes, I, I try to present and not necessarily provide my opinions on the matter. It's more so kind of some observations I find interesting and in, in what I kind of find important to consider and apply to our, our everyday lives. But this episode type is a bit different, and I thought I would try it because my last episode on thinking like Rick Sanchez from Rick and Morty it, it did it did very well so i thought i'd try you know a kind of a slightly different format but with like a sim, with similarities involved there once again to kind of get a better feel for what you as listeners want out of the podcast and what content you want me to cover um and plus this still applies to pop culture which is the point of kind of taking philosophical ideas in pop culture and applying it and kind of over analyzing it i guess you could say in a way so so please let me know on twitter on my patreon page or by email You can find the email address below about your thoughts on this new format and kind of what you'd like to see. So first, you can help support the show by using the Amazon link below by doing some doing some shopping through there. Everyone uses Amazon. So, you know, next time you do shopping, just do it through the Amazon link. and You can really help out the show visiting my Patreon page to get more content and you get full episodes for only $1 a month. So if you've been enjoying the show, please consider supporting it. It, it means a lot to me knowing that you appreciate me appreciating you listening, uh, if that if that makes sense uh, or is a good way to put it. But yeah, ch- so check that out. Also, please leave a review and share the show. It means... I mean, it helps me gain more traction on wherever you listen to podcasts and things like that. And also email me your feedback and what you'd like to hear from the show because the show is for you. So if I want to hear what you would like to hear, you know. So my email and Twitter are always open for discussion about stuff covered and what you'd like to cover. So, but uh, let's get back to the show. So... First, 
I think we should take kind of take a look at stoicism itself. So what is it? And then we can kind of get get into why it has experienced this newfound popularity. So, I mean, it's it's become a very commonly used viewpoint on life within corporate and business culture, you know, like kind of the the startup culture, especially with the self-help self-help craze that we've been experiencing in our culture. Uh, I, I would even go as far as to say that stoicism has kind of, it, it's acted as the backbone philosophy for this kind of self-help movement in a way. Same with, I, you know, in a way, I guess you could argue like Buddhism and that, and that mindfulness type of thinking has as well. But stoicism is definitely, I think, a pillar in that, in that movement we've seen. So this, this is translated into a kind of a, being a backbone in the tech startup community as well, which is why I found these concepts interesting to kind of retake a look at to kind of answer why this might be the case. Like why why are these these entrepreneurs and business people and, and kind of just people in general uh, latching on to this way of thinking? So, I mean, we have major figures in the world of stoicism popping up. You know, you have leaders, businessmen, CEOs, celebrities, all kind of in, in, in some way ascribing to this school of thought, a, a way to find inspiration for how to think and act in the world, uh, a, a meaning of life to kind of analyze, like the principles to follow to find kind of the meaning of life, you know. So I think one of the more well-known figures is Ryan Holiday, who from my understanding, I don't know a lot about him, I won't pretend to know a lot about him, but he's a figure in the business world who is also famous for writing the very, very popular book, The Obstacle is the Way, which is basically all about being this, this stoic and about stoicism and this, this way of thinking. Plus, that book has kind of helped create kind of these various groups on the interwebs all about consuming your daily dose of stoic thinking. Uh, a sort of stoic meditation, I guess you could, is, a, is a way to put it. So I know the famous self-help guru Tim, Tim Ferriss has been known to talk about stoicism. Pete Carroll, the NFL uh, Seattle Seahawks head coach, has mentioned stoicism often. The list kind of goes on and on. It's become one of the more kind of it's become one of the more well-known philosophical schools of thought in our modern society and culture because these kind of big businessmen and CEOs have started implementing it into not only their lives but it seems into their their company culture as well. So I've, I've even gotten in on the craze a little bit, I will admit. So, and which is kind of partly, I guess you could say, why I, I found this episode might be interesting and interesting to analyze. Because I do think that stoic ideas, they, they can be really helpful in clearing your mind. You know, taking a step back, reasoning through things. So this is not only important in the business world, but, but it's important to to anything you really do. If it's thinking about life, writing, your your day-to-day work, thinking about ideas, doing something that can help clear your mind and make the best judgment is something to learn and implement in some way, I think. So the level of enthusiasm this philosophical revival has produced for ancient belief in this ancient belief system, it's it's over 2000 years old. It's surprising, even inspiring, if anything. It's interesting how it's seen this revival, this kind of 
old ancient wisdom way of thinking. So Stoicism has some head figures or head thinkers that are popular in the school, the, the ancient thinkers, not, not talking about the businessmen and such, but who are famous for writing a sort of manifestos about the ideas. So you have Seneca, Epictetus, and Marcus Aurelius, to name kind of a few well-known ones. So what these manifestos do is not just celebrate an academic engagement with Stoicism. They kind of advocate using it as a practical tool in our everyday lives. So this isn't to say that Stoicism doesn't have criticism. Any school of thought will rightfully have those. Stoicism is often considered cold, harsh way of thinking, it's, I would, I would even say it reaches this criticism of this masculinity where you should suppress your emotions. And sometimes as people build a wall away from the world by, by taking the thinking too far. Um, and we'll kind of address those as well. But so what's exactly the appeal of stoicism in modern culture, though? What's behind this desire for this, this way of thinking? But first, I think we should take a step back, kind of decompress a little bit here. Stop. I'll stop babbling on about the, the, new, the new cultural movement and, and kind of analyze what this thinking actually is. Where did it all come from? See, Stoicism, it, it was, was the, the ancient Greek and then it became Roman philosophy founded in the last decades of the 4th century BCE by merchant Zeno of Centium. And sorry for if that pronunciation is incorrect. I will not pretend to be an expert on <laughs> Greek words. Uh, but the tale goes that Zeno, he made his way up to the Athenian Gora. There, with his few remaining coins left to his name, he bought a copy of one of Socrates' works. He then supposedly asked the bookkeeper, where can I find a man like this? Where? He was then pointed to the cynical school. I think it's a it's an interesting name. I didn't find a lot of details, but the cynical school, or but they're also they're referred to as the cynics. I don't know if I just mispronounced that or there's some connection there, but I do find that kind of interesting. But anyway, it was known as this kind of radical breakaway group from the circles kind of surrounding the the Platonic Academy of the time and the Aristotelian school. See, the cynics claim to live according to nature kind of this this peaceful mindset. And they, they shunned social conventions of the time period. But long story short, Zeno would later find his own school, kind of start his own school of Stoic philosophy, right? So essentially, Stoic thinking hinges upon a very simple, powerfully intuitive observations and principles. And a, a simple observation is from Epictetus a simple call for people to always distinguish between what is and is not in our control. Because you see, there's, there's according to the Stoics, there's no rational point in being unhappy in the things we can't change. Learning to let go of these things in order to focus on what we can affect. See, our own present impulses, thoughts, and actions Essentially, Stoics want us to be both philosophically astute as well as a psychological force. And I don't know, when I was, I was thinking about this, I don't know if force is, is the right word there. 
whatever word you think of for having kind of this clear mind and doing your best to not allow your judgments to be controlled by your emotions. So intuitively, I think this this sounds all well and good. I mean, take a step back and imagine the mental energy we spend worrying about things we cannot control. Worrying about what people think, what they tweet, what they like or say, worrying about the future, worrying about the past. Stoics are saying, wipe those from your mind. Act solely in the present. What can you currently alter about your actions? So it's a very practical way of thinking for the everyday. So it's been called our modern mind hack for a way of thinking. And honestly, I think anyone, no matter how many philosophical ideas you know, including myself, can take some ancient wisdom from this way of thinking. It's a way to escape our mental enslavement we often, I think, find ourselves faced with. So, The famous Stoic philosopher Seneca once wrote, Show me a man who is not a slave. One is a slave to lust, another to greed, another to ambition. And all men are slaves to fear. See, for Stoics such as Seneca, they believe all humans themselves to mental enslavement, historical conquerors, politicians, the CEOs of today, your bosses, all of them rule over many people. You might think justifiably or unjustifiably so, but the point is their mindset. They often fail to even rule their own minds. This going back to this idea of controlling what you can control, and that is your mind to the Stoics. So probably the most recognizable Stoic philosopher is the famous emperor Marcus Aurelius. He wrote in Meditations, Alexander and Caesar and Pompey, compared with Diogenes, I think I botched that name, but Heraclitus and Socrates, the philosophers knew the what, the why, the how. Their minds were their own. The others, nothing but anxiety and enslavement. See, the Stoic philosophers looked to teach us to think beyond our emotional instability, free us from mental enslavement. Free us from the the turbulence of our own emotions. But even the Stoics, such as Aurelius himself, faced his own mental demons. He said, stop allowing your mind to be a slave, to be jerked about by selfish impulses, to kick against fate in the present, and to mistrust the future. So how would the Stoics say we overcome this idea of mental enslavement? Stoic philosophers would hold the keys to understanding a mindset and way of thinking that can be extremely applicable to living a good life, a productive life. So an observation of the lessons from Stoics would be inserting the idea of personal responsibility into your personal philosophy of life. So in a way, they would want you to stop being a victim to the world and your mind. See, We all often want to blame others for our state of mind, our job, our wealth, not having the same privileges as others. But do privilege and wealth truly help you escape mental enslavement? Just look at look at Hollywood. Look at all the stories of dysfunctional behavior from Hollywood and their stars. It seems like the stars of Hollywood are one bad decision away from being shipped off to crazy town. 
it's it's saying that money and fame cannot buy you mental freedom. It's something that you have to do yourself. So we all suffer, you know, setbacks in life, right? Some more than others, and some more than others, unjustifiably so, unfortunately. Events out of our control, losing loved ones, facing financial ruin at the hands of others, rejection, heartbreak. It, it put It's putting endless effort in a project only to be left crushed when it fails. Every single one of us forms our own unique identity, the story of us, the story of you. See, the Stoics would say, in the words of Seneca, fate leads the willing and drags along the reluctant. See, life moves on a linear line like a movie, like a film, even like a TV show. You can choose to be an actor or you can choose to be the director. So it's, it's this idea of allow, do you allow those conquerors, bosses, politicians, and CEOs to have more power over us and our own happiness than we do? And that mindset is to be stuck in our own victimhood by believing other people and circumstances control how we think, feel, dictate the choices we make. That is what it is to live in mental enslavement for the Stoics. Overcoming this mindset, freeing yourself from victimhood is the only way and, and it's it only can be done by embracing this philosophy of personal responsibility for our own choices. So we cannot allow ourselves to take pride in casting ourselves as the victim, only to regard others as victimizers that are in some way taking joy in our misery. See, wearing our misfortunes as a badge of honor, justifying kind of like our own self-pity, in reality, it allows us to wallow in our own kind of mental shortcomings. So as Epictetus said, make the best use of what is in your power and take the rest as it, as it happens. See, for the Stoics, the world owes us nothing. Believing others are advantage where you are disadvantaged does nothing to change your circumstances. See, there is no knight in shining armor coming to rescue you from your own mindset of victimhood. When we embrace the mindset of victimhood, deflecting our personal responsibility, just remember, there are many politicians and bosses at the ready to exploit that false belief. So, as Marcus Aurelius said, it can ruin your life only if it ruins your character. Otherwise, it cannot harm you inside or out. So we have beauty in our ability to control our minds. You know, and at least try to control our minds. I think it's kind of an overstatement for Stoics to believe that it's just, it's so easy to control our minds, right? The beauty of it all is is our ability to take a pledge for this personal responsibility to at least, I guess you could say, try, right? That's something to be hopeful for. We, we don't want to be just negative about it because what does that accomplish? So this should make us hopeful and those around you hopeful when witnessing being free from this mental enslavement. See, we can free ourselves from victimhood by, by understanding the responsibility in our own choices. Where you work, what you buy, what you read, what people surround what what people you surround yourself with what attitude you take towards life those choices only you can make see when we start taking personal responsibility you realize life can be fun life is too short to take every decision so seriously work with what you can control as epictetus said he who laughs at himself never runs out of things to laugh at so this is all well and good right but we should 
we should have some kind of obvious pushback. Are these ideas obvious? Should we obviously follow them? I think Frederick Nietzsche kind of provides some helpful pushback in in his book, Beyond Good and Evil. As, as Stoics, as I mentioned earlier, they're often criticized for kind of being too, too passive in, in their way of thinking, kind of this, I guess you could say pushover almost. So Mita wrote, Oh, you noble Stoic, what deceptive words these are. Imagine a being like nature, wasteful beyond measure, indifferent beyond measure, without purpose and consideration, without mercy and justice, fertile and desolate and uncertain at the same time. Imagine indifference itself as a power. How could you live according to this indifference? Living is that not precisely wanting to be other than this nature. Is not living, estimating, preferring, being unjust, being limited, wanting to be different? And supposing your life imperative, live according to nature, meant at bottom as much as live according to life. How could you not do that? Why are a principle of what you yourself are and must be? So in a way, I think he's kind of right to kind of dissect that in the sense that how can you do anything but live and let live in a way? How can you just, how can you not just live by nature? You inherently must. There's nothing, there's nothing the Stoics are doing is what he's kind of saying. So in some ways, Stoicism could be like a more well-put version of those, those inspirational quotes people enjoy posting on social media. People that like to tweet stuff like, I'm just out here trying to, to live my best life. So I think in a way, Nietzsche's kind of making fun of that. It's like, sure, Stoics are, are saying this, but what are they really saying? Is it just word vomit? It's just well-put word vomit about inspirational quotes. But then again, I think it does provide people this, this mindset that truly helps them examine themselves and kind of clear their minds of the drudgery of everyday life. So why should we complain? I think it, it is much more apt to do more harm than good. Plus, it's, it gets people into philosophy. Sorry, to re- I think stoicism does more good than harm, to rephrase that. Because it, it does. It, like I said, it gets people to kind of clear their minds, provides a certain clear reason-based mindset, and then again, it also gets people into philosophy. And that's the point of this podcast is I want people to get into philosophy. So anything that does that, I'm going to kind of limit myself in how much I criticize it, right? But I think Urban Dictionary, of all places, puts it nicely. A stoic someone who does not give a shit about the stupid things in this world that most people care so much about. Stoic do, Stoics do have emotions, but only for the things in this world that really matter. They are the most real people alive. So for example, a group of kids are sitting on a porch. A Stoic walks by. The kids say, Hey man, you suck. Keep walking, you little weasel. The Stoic, good for you kids. And the Stoic just keeps on walking. So just just try to live your best life, my dudes, is basically, I think, what the Urban Dictionary is kind of trying to say. And I think it's a good interpretation of what Stoicism, kind of when you get down to the roots of it, what it really is. So I find these ideas interesting because it's coming during a time where systems of power feel out of our control, both with corporations and the mistrust we feel for how They try to take advantage of us and use the data collection of us, the feeling of not being being in control of our own government. 
It's a way of thinking to take take a step back and start focusing on what we can control. But I always try to provide a but here. Does this make us passive to those those in power that are trying to take advantage of us? See, something I've noticed is this Stoic way of thinking hasn't really translated into our discourse of government. See, the Stoics seem to want to provide us with a way to to control our mental way of thinking, thinking freely and reasonably, but also be able to participate in civil discourse. I don't think anyone would deny the turbulence we face on our political stage. See, our political atmosphere is emotional, it's irrational, it's tribal, it's become toxic in many ways. None of these adjectives bode well for kind of cultivating a healthy political culture at all. So, we now live in a, in a political culture kind of filled with this name-calling insults and threats, with everyone having their, their favorite echo chamber to scurry to when their worldview is challenged. Something to keep in mind is, is a toxic political discourse. It's devastating if you are trying to uphold the pillars of democracy. See, why isn't this stoic movement bleeding into our political conversations and bleeding in a good way? and political discourse, with mutual respect for each other, that kind of mindset. See, as Seneca said, as long as you live, keep learning how to live. Go through life as a student. Treat every person or ideas as a potential teacher to learn from. Even an idea or person you disagree with can teach you to, you valuable golden nuggets of knowledge. Just be willing to absorb those nuggets of knowledge. Humility is the key to going through life ready to learn for the Stoics. See, as Marcus Aurelius said, if you are pained by any external thing, it is not this thing that disturbs you, but your own judgment about it. And it is in your power to wipe out this judgment now. See, counterpolitical positions are not the cause of our disturbance, according to the Stoics. It's your judgment of those viewpoints. Those th- this, this accomplishes nothing in a dialogue of ideas when we meet ideas with an immediate violent emotional reaction. So maybe we should consider wiping away kind of those immediate judgments, kind of trying to clear our mind of those already strongly held beliefs. So not only will better political discourse take place, but it can also save us from unnecessary anger and anxiety we face, basically unnecessary stress. See, the near, as Marcus Aurelius said as well, the nearer a man comes to a calm mind, the closer he is to strength. A major pillar of Stoicism is not allowing yourself to be enslaved by your emotions. See, Aurelius argued that allowing your mind to emotionally react to the opposition is a sign of weakness. By allowing yourself to be overcome by emotion is to allow yourself to surrender your reason. See, these emotional reactions are the destructor, are, are destructive pillars of our toxic political environment. It's a display of anger at the ideas of your political opposition, not only does does nothing to address flaws in their stances, but it actually demonstrates a lack of reason in your own in many cases. See, violence and intimidation will accomplish nothing for dialogue. A calm mind is kind of is really the only method of thinking for progress. As Epictetus said, we should always be asking ourselves, is this something that is or is not in my control? So part of where our political toxicity toxicity stems from is this false belief that we can force 
someone to hold our political positions. I mean, how many times have you gotten into a political discussion and were actually able to persuade someone? How many times do you debate and are you actually able to persuade someone? Control what you can control. I say the best opportunity you have is to get them to question it. What can you control? First, we can stay calm in our conversations, listen and digest the opposing words. But secondly, you can keep an open mind. At the very least, this will allow you to kind of better understand opposing positions to then learn how to address those, uh, those points when having a discussion with someone. So it's basically this idea of stop trying to change a person's view. Focus on what you can control yourself. Only then can you get someone to question their positions. See, Epictetus kind of had a nice, another nice long kind of quote here. Those who receive the bare theories immediately want to spew them. As an upset stomach does its food, first digest your theories and you won't throw them up. Otherwise, they will be raw, spoiled, and not nourishing. After you've digested them, show us the changes in your reason choices. Just like the shoulders of gymnasts display their diet and training, and as the craft of artisans show in what they've learned. See, the Stoics want us to help break down this root, or they they can they themselves they help us break down this kind of root problem of our toxic political environment. Everyone is trying to create this persona of being this enlightened political person. So we go and read political theories from our favorite talking heads and immediately want to throw them back up, spewing, repeating that opinion all over social media, trying to appear as the the woke friend, secretly giving ourselves this kind of, basically this nice stroke of the ego. What he's saying is we need to stop acting knowledgeable, instead be knowledgeable. So as Epictetus said, we have two ears and one mouth so that we can listen twice as much as we speak. Consume, consume, consume. Learn as much as you can before putting your ideas forward. See, today's information climate has brought us kind of this endless echo chamber for all of us to run to, a kind of place to stroke our intellectual ego while doing nothing to broaden our perspectives. So we should take a step back and and open ourselves up to kind of a broad range of arguments and perspectives. Take back the mindset of this continually taking in knowledge and ideas. See, by allowing ourselves to listen to many opinions, ideas, and perspectives before forming our own, we can not only we not only create better discourse, but we kind of work or help to work in 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 political tribalism. I'm not say, I'm not even saying all political tribalism is bad. It's just there is there is a level that's a danger, and I think we are we are absolutely reaching that level of danger in our current political state and discourse. So as Seneca said, if you judge, investigate. So today we have social media, constant news cycles, and an internet riddled with these clickbait headlines, making the consumption of information constant, and it's easily accessible at times, at all times. But unfortunately, this constant information access seems to make everyone instant experts after reading, you know, a couple of quick takes and headlines. See, people are forming strong opinions of someone or something before they fully grasp the facts, details, and stories. And this is what Stoics can help us with. See, Seneca is teaching us to fully understand your opinion and the information before forming a strongly held belief. Forming your stances on current affairs after reading a couple headlines and then and then sharing on social media, what does that do? It does more harm than good. 
So it's this idea of, like we've been talking about with the Stoics, take a step back and investigate if you truly, and and consider if you truly understand the issues. So you not you might be saying to the Stoics, and maybe rightly so, this is easier said than done. At times, maybe Stoicism is too passive, but I do think it's a mindset that can make us hesitate and consider: is my is my reaction, immediate reaction, worth it? Will my reaction help the situation? Will my reaction change their mind? So to leave you with a kind of a cheesy phrase to go about your day, just live and let live. But I'd just like to say, thanks for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Drop me an email. Visit my Patreon page for some more further content. But I'd like to say thanks, and I'll uh, talk to you next time. Peace.